going on everyone it's mitch from respectmargin.com back with another episode of the north american weed tour podcast we're looking at the best in legal cannabis across the map and beyond today joined by special guests out the midwest i got Kay villaman and vanessa valo valdovinos man yeah, struggling there with all of these <laughs> from hush based out of chicago how you guys doing today Kay and vanessa Hey, what's up, what man? Up? What's up? Respect my region. Doing good, doing good. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Awesome, man. Stoked to have you guys on here. We've we're obviously working on some. We'll we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode. We're cooking up some, so we've been chatting quite a bit over these last few weeks. But before we get too deep, every episode I kick off with our guest origin story with plant that's brought us all into this industry. It's the ethos or the backbone of the industry. We're talking about cannabis here. So, Kay, since you're digitally sitting next to me, and we'll start with you, and then we'll move to, to Vanessa. Um, when did you and your relationship start with cannabis, whether that's personal, professional, whatever you kind of choose to to let the public know about? Yeah, thanks for passing over here, passing the joints over. Um, my, I don't know if I'm allowed to say how old I was because I was very young, <laughs> but I, I will say that, and I always say that, um, my longest relationship has been with cannabis <laughs> for about 20 years. Yeah, I'll just say that. Um, so I know I was really young, but, you know, I didn't really uh, acknowledge how it's helped me until I was um, an entrepreneur. Uh, when, I, when I was in college trying to do my side hustles and, and being in school for photography, um, that's really when I was using it more um, purposefully. And so I started before high school, um, dabbled in it a little bit, but it wasn't until I was 18 that I um, started getting to know more about the plant itself and actually studying plant science, the biology and chemistry of the plant and just got really obsessed with learning more about the plant itself and how it works inside my body and my system. Um, and then throughout the years, it's helped me creatively. I went to school for photography, so it was with me throughout college, being in a dark room, doing traditional black and white stuff. And then moving past college when, you know, I was an adult working, um, trying to live a more purposeful life as well. Um, cannabis has been there for me through everything, through my ups and downs and my, you know, lonely times and my fearful times, um, and also in my most successful times. And so um, I attribute and give props to the plant and, and it's helped me become who I am today. Man, I, I love that. Truly <laughs> is your longest relationship. Now, now Vanessa, it's on you. <laughs> Take my virtual. <laughs> Joint. Uh, yeah, same with me, um, you know, being um, a, a product of the Chicago Public School, um, started off young with friends, and it wasn't until, you know, when I was, I'll say I was late high school, um, but, you know, using it with friends, but really I started understanding how it worked for me. Um, I was really nervous when it came to test taking, so I found cannabis to be really great when it came to that and helped me focus and ace my freaking tests. <laughs> um, and then moving on to college, same thing. I went to school for photography. So I use that a lot in the dark room. Um, it really helped me to bring out my creative juices, 
um, coming up with like different projects for my photography classes. But now moving on to like adulthood, I really became more of a, a conscious consumer, um, being more intentional when it came to, or when it comes to cannabis, whether it be for mental health or, you know, to relax my body, inflammation to just using it recreationally too. So um, it's it's definitely been a part of me since since high school. Yeah, you guys, you guys are. I, I didn't realize Vanessa, you also had the photography background, or maybe we spoke about that at one point. So is is that how you guys initially met? Was it through photography? You guys known each other longer than that? You know, it is so funny <laughs> that we both went to the same college. It was Columbia College Chicago uh, Art School. And we both were in the same photography department around the same years, and we never ran into each other. We didn't even meet in college. <laughs> we didn't meet at the college, but we met through a summer program that was um, through the college. And it was a month long program internationally in Florence um, to do documentary photography. So we actually met on the airplane going to that program. We were <laughs> it was. Yeah, we were early 20s. Yeah, it was my very first flight ever, ever, ever. Oh, and I was just like go big or go home and I'm going to go solo so, <laughs> across the country. And I happened to be sitting next to Kay. Um, I looked over at her and I was like, Hey, so uh, you don't know me, but um, I'm also terrified of heights at that time. <laughs> I conquered my fear. <laughs> uh, so I was terrified of heights. It was my first flight. I was hella nervous, looked over to her and I was like, <laughs> I'm just gonna need, you don't know me, but I just need you to hold my hand until we take off because I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. Um, I was such a big hip hop head in, in, in college and I had these like big ass headphones. I had just eaten edibles and I was like, all right, eight, eight hour trip, let's go. I'm gonna go just, you know, lay back and, like, and here she is like scared, frightened, holding onto my wrist. And I was like, crap. And then so we, we landed in Florence. Uh, we shared a cab ride and we we're just like, hey, I don't know where you're going. I don't know where I'm going, but let's just, you know, share a cab ride together. And little did we know we're going to the same building. We end up being neighbors across the hall from one another for an entire month. Um, we, we traveled to mm -hmm. 10 different cities. Um, and yeah, we, we basically... We went through so many adventures, misadventures, things you, everything that they told us at orientation not to do, we're like, we're going to go we're like, into that. Bet. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. And we're just like, are you as crazy as me? Yes. Great. Let's go. <laughs> so we traveled, you know, we were both lone travelers. And so we, yeah. we connected um, on that sense. Um, and we also had a lot of similarities growing up. Like Vanessa said, you know, inner city coming from immigrant families um, and then growing up in Chicago, in the streets of Chicago with, you know, working families. We had a lot of very uh, similar um, background and family family foundations. And so we we got along immediately. Um, and then after that month, we lost touch for like 10 years, 10 years. It was like MySpace days. So <laughs> the, the plot thickens. So when, when when you guys came back to to together or started hanging out with one another, what, what was the basis of that, or how long after that did Hush come about, and what was the uh, the inspiration besides working or for working together on that on that? 
Yeah. So, you know, we didn't even, we could get back. We didn't even see each other in college or school. We both graduated and then went on to our, you know, professional lives. And then this was, you know, almost 10 years in between. And at that point, um, we had both started our own businesses. I had a photography firm. She had an event planning agency. And so um, we actually ran into each other at a networking event <laughs> of all places. Out of all places. So, it, yeah. So it was interesting. <laughs> we, yeah. we made a big chaos when we, when we uh, realized that uh, it was it was that we it was were, <laughs> we were seeing each other yeah. for the first time and at that point you know we were college you know, young college mm -hmm. students and then when we saw each other we were older business women and so there was so much that had happened in between but when we reunited it was just like picking up the pieces yeah, like from no where we time had passed yeah <laughs> we were the same same girls from chicago <laughs> Oh man, I, I love that. What 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 came about like when when Hush started and and you guys who who approached who and and how did that that origin of the company start? Well, we've always kept in touch throughout the years as we each had our own businesses. We always supported each other and that was our way of uh, you know, once we re reunited, we didn't immediately start hanging out right away, but if she had an event, I would come. If I had events, um she would come and so we were just by default supporters of each other um and then it was in 2017 when i had um dissolved my 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 business to move on to whatever was going to take me next um i had some personal life um circumstances that happened that made me just stop everything that i was doing um and this was also me uh evolving to you know who i am now and, and really um making sure that cannabis was at the forefront of what I was doing or was not no longer in the shadows of what I was doing. And I didn't know how to make that happen. Um, and in that year, um, as I was kind of doing the whole soul searching, what am I going to do with my life? Um, that was also when I first entered the regulated market by providing photography services to a multi-state operator um, covering dispensaries and cultivation centers. So that was my foot in the door. And at the same time, I was still trying to figure out what it was, what was my next step, what was gonna be my next venture. And Vanessa was also in a similar path and we were aligned. Um, and so when we, you know, um, it was really, it was a weird, uh, not weird, but I guess it was like, I was part of a, a mastermind group that met at 7 a.m. in the mornings on Saturdays, which is kind of insane, <laughs> but that was a like a filtering process for us. And so, you know, um, I was just kind of going down my list of who do I want to keep in my life? Um, Vanessa was always in a part of that list. And so I hit her up and I was like, hey girl, what are you doing Saturday at 7 a.m.? And she was like, what? Having my second dream? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> But she told me about the opportunity and I was like, cool, I'll be there. And since then we went to, um, we went by the lake, had had a little picnic, had a little sesh, and really act through about like, where are we both at in our lives? Um, and then- Yeah, so that mastermind group was talking about like, yeah. what it is, what are your goals and visions and yeah. you know dreams and stuff like that. And so that was us also first realizing recognizing what it is mm -hmm. we were trying to do yeah. and that we were both trying to find something that was more for fulfilling than what we were already doing the past 10 years and so like Vanessa said we went by 
the lake. We got a big ass pizza box, rolled up a joint, a couple joints, and then just sat by the rocks and just talked. And, you know, ultimately, um, through that session, we discovered a lot about each other. And then we were just first talking about, hey, let's do something together. It just makes sense. Like, uh, we are all the things that we already know, all our skills and experiences, we have like what it takes to create something, you know, huge here. And um, it started off with just talking about different projects and, you know, maybe doing like a styled photo shoot event. And then over one weekend, we, uh, you know, thought about let's produce events for Chicago um, and, you know, show the community and the industry um, how events could be different, how cannabis can be elevated, and how we could use that to um, provide a platform for brands in the industry and brands who wanted to enter into the industry. So that that was our start. And that was in um, October 2018, um, October 27, 2018, to be exact, and which oh is gosh. a couple our, of days from now. Our four-year anniversary is coming up this Thursday. Oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> four years of working in weed, man. It might feel like a lifetime with how quick things change, especially, yeah. you know, your guys' market is still obviously figuring out a lot of regulations and even licenses. You know, a lot of licenses haven't even been given out. Um, it's 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 moving at a weird at a slow pace and an incredibly fast pace at the same time. Um, I'm, I'm curious from your guys' perspective, what is, what is kind of the, the cannabis market look like in Chicago right now is like growing up there and, and being consumers for a long time. Have a lot of people moved into the recreational market? Is there still kind of a separation of the, of the two markets or, or what, what's the state of the industry look like out there right now? Um, <laughs> just like with a lot of things in Illinois, things move slow. Yeah. Um, and there's still a huge barrier uh, to entry here when it comes to social equity operators, craft operators, um, and recreational. Um, the multi-state operators, which a lot are headquartered here in Illinois, the big giants in the game, um, they pretty much dominate the market right now um, because we started off as a metal uh, in the industry right and we didn't become recreational until 2020 mm -hmm. the social equity program was not um open until J january 2020 but only now are we seeing some social equity operators um craft cultivators coming into the scene we haven't seen harvest yet from any of these operators because it's just they're literally just you know breaking ground like literally um just a few months ago mm -hmm. the licenses were 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 on hold were in court in lawsuits for the longest time um and so we're very limited as far as product goes um because the cultivation centers who produce our products are all attached to the medical dispensaries the medical dispensaries um, most of them became also recreational dispensaries so we're ultimately serving the same grade products um that it's being served to the medical patients although it's very limited um as far as quality, I don't know how honest I want to be on, on that, but um, definitely could use uh, more brands on the scene. And I think more hands who have been growing this plant for a long time to be actually the ones growing um, and just 
more BIPOC-owned brands, more social equity operators to enter into the scene, just give them a chance, you know? Like we wanna, as consumers, we wanna try something different. Um, so that, that's how that's how it's been. Yeah. It's a slow, slow moving market here. Yeah, yeah we're um, not as progressive as other states, unfortunately, but we're, we're, we're now just starting. Yeah. yeah. However, there's, there's, you know, billions of dollars in tax revenue. So, um, which mm -hmm. none of that is really not, not sure what that is being used for yet. <laughs> there's certain grant programs that are um, supposed to be using those tax dollars, but we're generating a lot of tax revenue in the state. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, that's an upside economically, right? But it's still, um, there's still a lot of things that need to change. Yeah. And, and I, I, I salute you guys for at least putting, you know, the state for putting social equity somewhat towards the front. Obviously it's nice to see it happen right when it goes on live. Cause that's one of the biggest, uh, you know, criticisms of social equity is, is, is acknowledging that there's a group that might be at an economic disadvantage compared to, well, definitely compared to MSOs and saying, hey, we'll give them opportunity to compete. But if you give that opportunity once the market's established, it's like that opportunity kind of loses its window of, of, of the road to success becomes a little bit more narrow than it was at the start, right? Like I live in Washington, they're just now starting to roll out social equity now, like six years into the game. And so it's, it's going to be very difficult. People are going to be handed a license in a very established competitive marketplace. It's going to be difficult to do much if you don't have the operational wherewithal or the funding, which if you're getting a social equity license, you're kind of acknowledging you don't have the funding. So it's kind of setting people up in a difficult position. But I, I applaud any state that's at least putting that emphasis on it. Um, and obviously, you guys being you know minority-owned, women-led company, um, and having worked with a couple of the the social equity, uh, social equity and minority-led brands in Chicago that are um, there, I know a lot of your attendance falls is a pretty diverse group. What does it look like? Kind of just the temperature of people talking like about diversity in this space coming from the ground floor. Are people excited about it? Are they? feel defeated about it? What's what's kind of the conversations around diversity and representation in, inside cannabis as a whole? Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I think a little bit of both. Um, I think they're excited because now that these licenses have been officially awarded. Um, they're excited to get moving and get, get on the ground, but it's also, you know, the, the capital. That's one of the things. And, and also the the number of growing plants in the cultivation center, right? What it was it they're trying to expand it or something? Yeah, there's just there's a lot that. of um just to go back to to your question, Mitch, um when we first entered into the space, it was because there was lack of diversity in what was already happening, like in the events, because we were um when we first started it was we were only medical and so it was very um corporate. And not to say that corporate is, is bad, right? But what was missing was the representation as far as culture and representation as far as the culture of the of, of the plants. Like the plant itself was not even in the forefront of any of these like networking events or meetings that people were having. Um, you know, associations were being formed left and right, yet it was it was still white dominated. Um, when you go to, when you went to events, um, as a minority, you, you felt out of place. Which um, gave us the motivation to start Hush was because we saw that, um, right when we were 
a, a medicinal state. We saw the the, the lack of culture um, in the MSOs, and then we also saw a lack of resources that were that were missing from the community. And so we kind of wanted to bring the two together and see how we can help one another and bring more diversity into the into the Illinois market. Yeah, what was what we saw was a problem was you know, the people who were just entering into the space, and it's still happening now, are people who are saying that they're building the industry here in, in Illinois, um, the, being the pioneers of the community, which is not true, you know, <laughs> because let's recognize the people who have been, you know, underground for the longest time, who have been to jail, um, you know, whose families have suffered because of, of being incarcerated just for weed. Um, these are the people who have built the community here in Chicago. These are the people that needs recognition. Yet they were ostracized and they were, you know, they they put a big wall up uh, and people couldn't break through them because they didn't have the resources. They didn't know what it took to take their brand to the next level. What did it mean to enter into a regulated market? How do you even fill out one of these applications that was so like extensive? And, you know, if you didn't have the resources economically, if you lived in a disproportionately impacted area, how would you know how to fill out like at a hundred page like application, you know, with, with formal writing? And um, so there were a lot of people who were being taken advantage of instead of being helped. Um, and ultimately, that's what we were hearing from people. Was like there wasn't really a space for them, um, a, a space that they felt safe in, they felt comfortable in, that they felt that they could be themselves in and still, you know, represent cannabis. Like it, cannabis could look like a lot of people, a lot of things, you know, it's not just one type of person. Um, and we wanted to create a space that was safe and inclusive. Um, and that's, that was the feedback that we were getting from, from folks when we first started our event. So it's like, oh, I didn't know a cannabis event could look like this. Oh, I didn't know women, um, minority women could put together a large scale production like this. Yeah. Um, and so um, we've been blessed to have the privilege of being, of you know, experiencing what we did in the last 10, 15 years in our careers to be able to gather all our resources and, um, and skills to produce events like this for the community. Man, I, I, I love that. And, and this is one of the big reasons we're excited to work with you guys. But and, and I don't want to gloss over all of the great things you just dropped on diversity and the insight. But there's one thing that you mentioned in there about, you know, a lot of events or pre-existing events weren't necessarily honoring the culture of not only just where the plant came from, but the plant itself. Right. And it's something that I've talked about since being in legal camp for a long time. There's so many events where I understand venues and locations might restrict the consumption of cannabis, but there's so many events based in this space, whether it's networking or business events where like consumption is not allowed and it's not a thinking of an, of safe consumption space. Like the thought of providing a safe consumption space is like a complete afterthought when, you know, I believe it should be a necessity. Um, and then sometimes it's shunned, right? You go to one of those events, you step outside, you come inside, you might smell a little bit like weed and someone makes a comment in a very stigma building way. And we are, this whole industry talks about breaking down the stigma yet we put on a lot of these events and gatherings and celebrations just further build up the stigma against the plant that we're all talking about breaking down. Uh, and so I know obviously that's a big part of what you guys do is 
providing, you know, not only just safe chin, but also providing it in a way that looks a very grown, very related to other events of a certain status and vibe. Whereas, you know, a lot of stuff in cannabis where its consumption goes kind of real heavy and it just looks like kind of a sesh way. There's nothing wrong with turkey bags on the table and dad rigs everywhere. You know, I'm not knocking that. But you guys are like taking the more middle ground of an upscale affair, but making cannabis a safe and accessible, right? It's just completely normalized. So um, if you guys could kind of talk to a little bit of just like the, the blending of those worlds and what it goes to, obviously finding, I know finding venues is difficult, but what, what kind of goes into making sure there's safe consumption acts or safe consumption, as well as, you know, still providing the right vibe for an event. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, for us, hospitality is number one for us. So whenever we start working on a project on, on putting an event together, it starts with the guest experience in mind. So one, it's like just determining the goal that you want. What, what is your goal? What do you want to get out of the event, right? Um, and also, we want to have a full-on customer journey from the moment that they read, you know, the event page, the moment they got their tickets and get their emails, um, to all the house rule email that they get with all the house rules and the password. Um, but really making it so that we keep the guest experience in mind um, and having a guest flow throughout the space as well. We're kind of bringing sexy back to cannabis. Um, you know, cannabis is sexy. Why not celebrate it? So, you know, our events are a type where people love to get up and um, dress up. And when you dress up, you feel good. You are more, um, I guess you stand proud, right? And you kind of feel, you, you feel more confident. And so that's what we want our guests to come in feeling confident, feeling like they know that they're walking into a safe space and that we have options for them. And also education, education is huge for us as well because it's not just con cannabis consumers that do come to our events, but it's also can canna curious people who come and don't know anything about the plant, but are curious, or they're advocates of the plant and just want to know more information on different ways of consumption. Because you know, old school people love flour, but maybe they didn't know about, you know, oh, you can actually drink it, or you can actually um, consume it through food, through desserts. So also providing different styles um, and different ways that we can we can bring that that different experience. Yeah, so always thinking about all those minor, you know, minor and major details when it comes to what a guest would experience and the different levels of guests. Um, what's helped us is having um, really good relationships with venue partners in the city. Um, coming from the events and uh, um, hotel and hospitality background, we had um, access to venues around the city. And when we first started, um, you know, people were very hesitant, venue owners were hesitant because once you mention canvas, they just think it's a smoke session. And it's a wild party. That's what they, they, they assume. Yeah. And so once they start working with us, they see, first of all, the professionalism that's brought to the table. Um, you know, we do, we do our things. We have a procedure for how we, you know, book, venues for how we engage with our clients. We keep it very professional because we know we're advocates for cannabis, right? Like they are, there's already a, a, a stigma with us saying we're a 
event and marketing company working in cannabis, automatically, you know, some people are turned off. They have this assumption and presumptions about you. So we have to act and move in a way that represents cannabis positively. And so we always conduct things on a very professional level. And then we ensure the, you know, we, we assess all the risks, emergency situations and things like that. Um, and make sure that we go over that with our venue partners as well and our staff. Um, and then we, like Vanessa said, provide a lot of education in different ways. So, you know, and that you're not sitting on a, um, in a classroom being lectured. There, we provide dosage charts, signages throughout the area in more fun ways. We make sure our vendors are um, engaging and asking a lot of questions to consumers before they administer any dabs or, um, you know, before um, offering any products to them. We also ask a lot of questions in the beginning when they purchase a ticket. Um, we collect data from each guest, asking them what their consumption levels are, you know, if they're a novice user, if they're a heavy user. And we try to have signifiers and identifiers on site and have certain people, of our, uh, certain members of our staff keep an eye on certain people and ensuring that they're safe throughout the night. There's always a spot, too, for... Um, for wellness, for people who get a little bit too lit, um, where they can go off into a more quiet space, um, chill, a little bit more of a CBD-focused room um, for people who just need to come down a little bit and get away from the crowd. So every, you know, emotion, aspect, any anything that could potentially happen, um, we think we about from the very beginning. Yeah. And, and also just to add on to the education portion, you know, a lot of our events have become a destination event for other professionals in the industry. So they fly in specifically for our events. So we make sure to provide education on the rules and regulations of the state, of the city, um, just so that they know um, they know the, the, the rules here. Man, that, that's fire. I do know from throwing cannabis events and I always say just regular events that don't have anything to do with cannabis, you know, there's a significant... Uh, significant less bad situations that happen usually when more cannabis is involved whereas you know conversely anywhere that has alcohol <laughs> uh, there's potential things that happen uh cannabis is always not as bad but that's great that you guys are thinking of that especially like the come you know having like a come down room if you will where you can kind of chill out and relax and, and understand dosage because that's a big part if people are not experienced on that if people have gone to sessions or cannabis events you're pretty familiar with what your intake level is uh, based on product. That's one of the other things that changes in cannabis is just because you can smoke a ton doesn't mean you smoke a lot of blunts. A bong might do you different versus a dab versus edible versus a beverage, you know, yeah. fast acting <laughs> beverage, like everything hits you a little bit different. So it's nice to be empowered with that consumption method based on, you know, your experience, right? That's definitely an important thing, even if someone considers themselves a veteran. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Hush is the goal. I, I know you guys are expanding to more markets. It's going to be more than just Chicago. In fact, here in just a couple short weeks, we're going to see the first Las Vegas event going on during MJ BizCon, which we're a part of. So what what is, you know, I know you guys are going to be doing more in Vegas besides just this, but, you know, I, I think I have an inclination, but why the coming out party in in uh, for BizCon and what do you guys have in, in store for this event? Well, you know, our model from the very beginning of our relationship was go big. <laughs> so, go big or go home. Go big or go home. We've done that from the very beginning. <laughs> so as we're moving to a different market, why not make it big? And Vegas is 
as big as we can get right now. Um, Vegas during the biggest week in cannabis um, was a perfect opportunity for us to um, expand. We've been thinking about um, expanding to other cities, bringing the hush experiences to different cities. That was always the goal to go international. Um, and then when we, you know, did our research um, as far as regulations, things moving forward, um, just, you know, market, understanding the market, mm -hmm. Vegas made sense for what we do. Um, it's been well received. We've been spending the last year. nine, nine <laughs> months. Been, or, it's, yeah, been yeah. A, it's been a year. Um, and then on the ground, back and forth from, from Chicago to Las Vegas, building our team um, and building our network out there, bringing our name out there. So we're officially going to launch on November 17th during MJ BizCon week. It's called Hush House. A high hustler affair. It's going to be a red carpet, upscale, casino-themed experience. experience. For one night only. <laughs> um no uh, one, every Hush event is different from the next. And so you only get it once. And um, we have our signature Hush experience or elements that are included, um, which is our, um, we have a, you know, speakeasy type vibe to our environment, the way we operate too. It's at a secret location. It's going to be just minutes away from the convention center, a um, few minutes from the strip. Um, ticket holders will be emailed a the exact address along with a password to enter into the Hush House. Um, for those who have been to past Hush events, they know the protocol. Um, you get an email at midnight for the event with all that information, including Hush House rules. Um, and um, it's going to be a very lively casino setting. It's going to be grown and sexy, of course, the Hush style. Um, and we're just going to keep the Vegas, you know, liveliness and theme alive. We're all coming to Vegas for for Vegas, right? And yeah. so why not keep reveling in that in that environment? And so we're going to have um, free-to-play casino games where you could play to win some prizes from our awesome sponsors. Um, we'll we'll have, have some themed rooms. Mm -hmm. We'll have Hush Money. Um, and I can't really go through what the Hush Money is going to be, but those ticket holders will know exactly what the Hush Money is going to be. Um, we have about 7,000 square foot venue, um, indoor and outdoor space. And if you know how Hush works, you kind of understand what type of event it is, obviously. Um, we'll have entertainment throughout the entire night. Um, and this is going to be a, the night for people to dress up and show up and show out. Yeah, we're going to be, we're super excited about the entertainment. We have some great local um, entertainment groups that has res they have residencies in Las Vegas. They're um, also women-owned, BIPOC-owned groups that we we are supporting 100%. They're, they're curating a program specifically for Hush House, and so we're super excited for guests to, to enjoy yeah. and engage with them. And we're also gonna have um, some entertainment coming straight from Chicago. So you'll get that little surprise at the event. Hell yeah, hell yeah, man. Yeah. We're, we're stoked We're stoked to come out. You know, we're gonna be doing some content at Hush House in Las Vegas. We're gonna be doing a live podcast from there. 
you know, friends from 40 tons will be in the building, man. So it's always great. You know, I've seen those guys in like three different states in the last month. So excited to keep it, <laughs> see them see him back, see him back in Vegas and, and get down with you guys, man. Um, I'm really excited for that. You know, I know a lot of stuff goes on for, for MJ BizCon. I think you guys are bringing something different uh, into, you know, I, I know we were spoke, spoke, speaking about it. There's, you know, guests have the opportunity to donate to the 40 Tons Foundation. It goes directly to support supporting uh, BIPOC-owned, can, you know, cannabis brand and uh, cannabis prisoners, man. So, you know, they're doing great work. That's why we're always thrilled to work with them. Besides being great people, great mission, stoked to work with you guys, man. Is there anything else that... that that I could get you guys to plug before you get up out of here, man. We got to save some some of the secrets, man, for people to pull up on in, in Vegas. But if there's exactly. anything else you guys want to plug before we get get up out of here, I mean, we just want to give a shout out to you guys, really, um, for working with us uh, for this for the Hush House, for elevating the experience. Um, you know, Mitch and crew are not just gathering content; they're they've been actively helping us with this event. They're going to be doing red carpet interviews and on-site interviews. Um, we're on this interview now and providing <laughs> platform for um, for our sponsors and some of our partners for for Hush House, along with Anthony at Forty Tons. And so we're super excited to be collaborating on this. Um, this is a great opportunity to support a woman and minority-owned agency, as well as the partners um, mm -hmm. and our promotional partners, um, who a lot of them are also women and minority-owned. And so you're supporting um, says you're supporting us, um, we're supporting each other. And so just shout out to you guys for providing a platform for us as well, um, and providing a platform for a lot of voices and faces that need to be seen and heard. So much props and respect to respect, respect my region. My region yes. So thanks to you guys. Humbled by that, man. We got to we got to make sure that the culture got a place, man. And I think that's obviously why our two organizations click. And I think a lot of the people that are going to be involved think at the forefront of what we do, whether that's everything that we do. I think always having a piece of that involved with everything is an important thing, man, um, to, to keep this industry growing and make sure the right people got a, got a seat at the table. Uh, for people out there that want more information, hushchicago.com is the website. Um, and then we got an article dropping here this week with some information on the event. Um, and there's a, if you go on our site, there is a sidebar ad. If you're on the mobile, it's towards the bottom. You can click on that go straight to the event, event page. Um, we'll be out there at MJ BizCon. So we hope to see everyone that's out in Vegas to come pull up. This is the North American weed tour. We're looking at the best in legal cannabis across the map. Um, we're about to be up out of here, man. Hush, Chicago, <laughs> Las Vegas, soon to be worldwide, man. We out here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Mitch. Awesome. Thank you, guys.